remember gold stars in school? Do you remember gold stars? Gold stars worked for me. When you got it right and you got that gold star, and you know what was better than that? The red star. Do you remember the red star? It was red stars for me. Every 10 gold stars got you a red star. You were on top of the world when you got a red star. I'm hoping you all get gold stars. And how about we just jump to red stars this morning? Are you ready for your quiz? <laughs> Nobody said yes. You just laughed at me nervously. All right, we're going to do it anyway. Here we go. Genuine faith produces very good, one red star. We have a living faith, one that shows itself through our actions, for faith without works is uh, a, few, a few less stars that time, but yes, faith without works is dead. John Wesley's first of three general rules is to do what? No harm. No harm, very good. It begins with what you say, how you say it, and if you say it. Wesley's second general rule is to do good. Oh, I'm so proud of <laughs> Doing good is connected to using godly wisdom that results in not benefiting us, but others. It's about being selfless, yielding to others, putting others first. How are we doing so far? Okay. I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you 10 gold. No, I can't, because I already gave you a red star. Let's see if you can guess Wesley's third general rule. Anybody want to try? Anybody want to try to figure out what, what the third general rule might be? Stay in love. Listen, before we jump into this third general rule, I'd like to acknowledge that this concept, especially in the way it's phrased, may not be completely comfortable with everyone. Some people would rather not use that kind of language to express, uh, to express their relationship with God, perhaps because it humanizes or personalizes a relationship uh, their relationship a little too much or a little, a little too uh, awkwardly for some. And I, I want to say that because when I first read this general rule, I thought it was a little weird too. But I've come to really appreciate that and we're going to talk about it. But nevertheless, those same people who would rather use a different phrase to describe their relationship with God also recognize the importance of the deep connection and spiritual intimacy necessary for a disciple of Christ, that's all of us, to have with God. We all need a personal relationship with God, and they do indeed love him as much as any other Christian. So whether you really like the phrase staying in love with God or you choose something else, I think it's important for us to realize that we all do indeed love God in a general sense. Yes? That was... Not very convincing, but we'll see how we go. Staying in love with God is the third rule. We're going to stick with that language this morning. 
Let's start with this. When two people are in love, what are the things that indicate that they are? Remember your church. What are the things that indicate that two people are in love with each other? Hold hands. That's it. We just hold hands. That's it. What else do you do? Okay, it's it's all a little soft, but I hear kiss. You can kiss somebody. What else can you do? Hug. Talk. I heard be with them. Hold on to that. Anything else? Put somebody else's needs before yours. That's a great way to show that you're in love with somebody. All right, you have more. I know it. Somebody gave the best answer that I could come up with because all of the other things that we could use to show that we are in love with somebody are based on this one thing. At its most basic, what is the one desire all people have when they are in love? And that is, they want to be together. They want to spend time with each other. They want to be with one another, yes? All the other stuff comes out of that, but you have to be together, right, to show that. Who doesn't want to be around the person they love? Talking, sharing, learning about, enjoying one another, all those things that you just shared. I hope you know where I'm heading with this since we're talking about being in love with God. For those in love with God, this craving to be with him is the basis for what James is talking about in our scripture for today. If we are going to remain in love with God as part of our living, active faith, we must spend time with him. We will want to spend time with him. The question that comes out of this realization is how do we do that? How do we spend time with God? Because it's a little different than spending time with someone else, isn't it? It's not like God is right here in front of us in person. Can you recognize that fact? I know that God is with you and we're going to spend a whole Advent reminding us of that as we head into Christmas. But bodily, God is not right in front of you. Can you agree with that? Okay. That's just a practical aspect of the relationship right now. Christ gave us the gift of who? Instead. The Holy Spirit. Good. To help us out. But just how does the Christian spend time with God and stay in love with God. Well, that's why we have the book of James to help us out. Can anybody guess what the number one thing in James' thinking was as the answer of how to spend time with God? Prayer. Prayer. That's right. And that whole section, that whole first section, the main portion of the scripture today, is about that. In the first six verses that were read, it mentions prayer in each verse. When you are sick, you should pray. When someone else is sick, you should pray. When you need to say you're sorry, you should 
If you need healing, physical or spiritual or otherwise, you should. God answers when we pray. God wants to stay connected with you. Just pray. Now, we could spend many hours, I know, talking about prayer. That's not what we're going to do today. We just need to remember that praying is something we should be doing. Listen carefully. Who cares how you pray? Okay? Let's just clear the deck now. Who cares how you do it? Just do it. Who cares how long you pray, when you pray, how you pray, whether you pray with others, whether it's out loud or silent, whether you quote scripture when you pray. Let's not get caught up in the semantics. Just pray. God wants to hear from you, and God wants to talk to you. That's prayer. And prayer is as personal as each of us is individual. There's no right or wrong way to pray. Just pray. That's the gist of scripture from James. I get on the sermon there. Don't say yay. I have more to go. But that's what James was talking about, those first six verses, or seven verses. Wesley speaks of family and private prayer as one of the ordinances of God. That is, one of the spiritual disciplines or practices we can do that keep us in love with him. And he actually mentions six of those ordinances or spiritual disciplines and practices we could share. Here are the others. The public worship of God. The ministry of the word, either read or expounded. The supper of the Lord. Searching the scriptures and fasting or abstinence along with prayer. Those were Wesley's six ordinances for staying in love with God. And that's exactly how he phrased it. That's how you stay in love with God. Now, I'd like to isolate each of those, at least a little bit, for a few minutes this morning, um, as well as identifying prayer as a way of staying in love with God. I love the fact, love the fact, that on Wesley's list of public, of of ways to stay in love with God, the first on the list is public worship. I love Jesus very much, I know you do too, and I love this church and its corporate worship. It's one of the main reasons I entered professional ministry. And there are lots of ways to love God's church, but the point is this. Wesley identified going to church as a main way to stay in love with God. If we do indeed love God, is there any good reason we should not also love being together with his people? I hope you would say no. There is no good reason. I'm so glad for the technology that we can live stream that allows us to send the worship service into people's homes. And there are some very valid reasons for some to worship in that way. However, and I know I'm preaching not just to the choir, but to the rest of you as well, the proverbial choir. Sister and brother, you need to be around other like-minded, Jesus-loving people specifically to worship. 
Now, if you're worshiping online with us this morning, the doors don't lock after we start our worship service. So you're welcome to show up anytime. In the context of worship, we might also do the following as ways to stay in love with God that occur most often in the church. James suggests that if any of us are happy, we should do a particular thing. That is to sing praises. It doesn't matter if it's a hymn or a song, nor does it matter what instrument is playing along with you. You don't even have to sing well. <laughs> sing anyway. It's like praying. Who cares how you pray? Just pray. If you're happy, sing praises. How many of you sing to yourself when you're in a good mood, or is that just me? You just, somehow you catch yourself every now and then just humming a, a song in your head or singing something out loud for no good reason. You just start singing. Well, I'm glad because that means I'm not crazy, but a Psychology Today reports that singing is a form of communication and that it's hard to focus on anything else when you're singing. Singing praises helps you concentrate on God. Even Wesley said in his directions for singing, which you can find in your hymnal on Roman numeral, page 7, you can actually read it there, here are a few things that he says about singing. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. And I love this one, this is my favorite. Sing lustily and with good courage. Lift up your voice with strength. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him. There's no excuse not to show a living faith through singing, especially not the excuse that you are a bad singer. And some of you are bad singers, but that doesn't matter. We're supposed to sing praises. That's a great way to spend time with God. That is my plug to join the chancel bar, the sanctuary bar. Okay? Um, see, see Ruth on your way out. And she'll help you get connected. Another of the ordinances of God, as Wesley explained them, is searching the scriptures. As we already affirmed, prayer is talking to God. And I have no doubt that God speaks however he chooses to. Like he speaks to us in, in different ways, in many different ways. But when he speaks, every word will be true to the scriptures that we have. Therefore, much of what we need to hear from God, he has already shared. Remember our Jesus Is series, the I Am sayings of Jesus? He is the word of life. If you want answers, look to Jesus. Look to God's word in the person and work of Jesus and the written word. God wants to communicate his love for you more than you do for him. You'll find the answers in scripture. You want to stay in love with God? Spend time with him in his word. Read it and listen to it being preached and taught and search the scriptures for yourself. All of this we do in the context of worship. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, life together under the word begins at an early hour of the day with a worship service together. A community living together gathers for praise and thanks, scripture reading, and prayer. There is such a thing as rising early for the love of God. Scripture reading, song, and prayer should be part of daily morning worship together. End of quote. Now, he states that as a daily practice. Um, all the more reason for us to worship together on Sunday and with a very strong commitment to do so. Again, I know I'm preaching to those who are sitting in the pews now. How important is that? If you want to tell God you love him, come to church. You can see we have space, right? So that would tell you something a little bit, right? About what you might be able to do about that. All right, another thing we do in worship that helps us stay in love with God is sharing the sacrament of Holy Communion, according to Wesley. Taking communion is another real, tangible way to show a living faith. It grounds us in who we are as loved children of God. When we eat and we drink together, we are reminded of that love and are spiritually strengthened to love Him in return. And there are plenty more benefits to sharing in communion than that. But if you want to stay in love with God, practice communion. That's what Wesley said. Then the final ordinance he mentions is fasting and abstinence. Doing either of these helps us to focus on the need we have for God. We are reminded that our reliance is on God alone to provide for what we need. It's a very intentional way of developing one's relationship with God. As we reject the need that we think we have, especially for food, and sometimes for other activities that bring us enjoyment, like watching TV or shopping, and I mentioned shopping because now it's the holiday season. I'll officially say it's the holiday season, by the way. It didn't start in October. It starts after Thanksgiving. Anyway, when we do that, when we abstain from some of those things, we become more in tune with our need for God, especially as we couple this activity with prayer. In each of these ways, we are spending time with the one we love. And we are building and strengthening our relationship with him. We are staying in love with God. Once again, I'd like to quote author Reuben Job out of his book, Three Simple Rules, A Wesleyan Way of Living. He says this about his, in his chapter, Staying in Love with God. The question Jesus asked of Peter in John 21, verse 15 and forward, do you love me? Do you remember that scripture? Do you recall that scripture? Jesus is, uh, the resurrected Jesus shows up on the lakeshore and he meets his disciples and he has a particular conversation with Peter. And he asks Peter three times, do you love me? This reveals a great deal about the essentials of our relationship with God. Three times Jesus asks, do you love me? And three times Peter answers in the affirmative. 
Staying in love with God was the primary issue of a faithful life then, and it is today. For from such a life of love for God will flow the goodness and love of God to the world. It can be no other way. One who is deeply in love will, con will be constantly formed and transformed by that relationship. And such a transformed life will be a natural channel of God's goodness, power, and presence in the world. In other words, staying in love with God will show a living faith. Along with doing no harm and doing good, we want our lives to reflect God's love toward the whole world. It's critical that we carry a deep and personal faith, a personal relationship with God through the acceptance of Jesus as Savior and Lord, but it's equally important to show that faith in the things that we say and do. Remember the overarching theme in James, faith without works is dead. The outflow of our personal faith is what can be seen on the outside, in our living faith, day to day, growing and showing Christ to the world. And that responsibility is not just ours individually, but collectively as the church. Your pastors hope you've learned something the past four weeks that you've been challenged with modifying your behavior at least a little bit to show more of your faith, to show a living faith. How are you speaking to people these days? How has that behavior changed for you? Do no harm, do good, Stay in love with God. May God continue to bless us both individually and together as we share a living faith. Amen.